All right. I'm, I put something on the board that I'm going to try. I have preached on this a bunch of times. But all of this has to do with the same thing. It's a part of the same picture. The spirits in prison are the all men, are the all flesh, are the Gentiles. All of these are the same. The Gentiles. God has opened their eyes and brought them to the light because Israel celebrated Christmas under another name 4,000 years ago, resulting in tongues to the Gentiles. Now, this is all one great big picture. You have to understand, you have to understand Old Testament history in order to understand Acts 2, the tongues. First of all, I want us to go over here. I've been teaching on this. You can't teach this in one or two lessons, not thoroughly. Now, if you'll go but with me back to 1 Peter, the third chapter. 1 Peter, the third chapter. All right. First Peter, the third chapter. We're going to start here in verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That would be he was just. The unjust would be the believer or the elect of God, the predestinated elect. Being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. Now, that word quickened is the word Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Quicken means to make. Poeo means to make. That's a common word, mean to make. And zoo is our word zoo. It's actually Z-O-O-N. It's our word zoo. It means alive. It means to make alive so Jesus has been made alive after he was dead well he was put to death in the flesh the word resurrection this phrase put to death in the flesh put to death and quickened by the spirit would have one meaning when somebody's put to death and they're made alive, they come alive after dying, what would the definition of that be? Resurrection. Resurrection. And the Bible says the resurrection is the gospel. And the gospel is the word euangelizo or euangelizo. Galeon, E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. That's the word gospel. Euangelion, it is a construction of U, an A-G-G-E-L-O-S. 
Angelos is the word angel or messenger. So it means the well, you means well, the good messenger. And the gospel, the Bible says, the resurrection of the gospel, put to death and quicken is resurrection. That is the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And that is the gospel. And the Bible says that the gospel in Mark, the first chapter, the first three verses, the beginning of the gospel is prepare ye the way. And the Bible says the blood baptism It is a blood baptism because it's the same thing as the gospel. It is, all of these are equal. They're equal. Equal. Coming to life after dying. And a blood baptism was a death and a resurrection. Death slash resurrection. And when you look at Luke 3, 1 through 3. Luke 3, 1 through 3. The Bible says, Baptism, true baptism, is prepare you the way. That can't be water, because prepare ye the way. Way is the word hodos. So that would be equal. All of these are equal. Equal. Prepare you the way would be prepare you the narrow way. There's two ways. Narrow what? Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few will find it. Narrow is the word thelibo. T h l i b o. That is a form. Of tribulation. So all of this is equal. The word tribulation. The word tribulation is. Is the word thalipsis. That's the noun form. Of thalibo. Which is the verb form. Means to crowd through a narrow opening. And narrow is the way. And the word is. It is a tribulation way, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. And that is, narrow means to go through tribulation. No man should be moved by these afflictions, by this thalipsis, knowing that you were appointed thereto, over there in First Thessalonians, the third chapter, I believe it's verse 3, or Second Thessalonians 3 and 3. Now, because that's the thalipsis, so... You can go backwards in this. Tribulation is narrow. It's the same word. And that is prepare you the way. That's a blood baptism. And that's equal to Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel. And that's equal to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel is the word A-U-G-G-A-L-I. Azio. That's our word, evangelize. 
So when you evangelize, you're preaching the gospel. That word is preach the gospel, which is the resurrection after dying, which is the means by which you preach to the spirits in prison. Notice these are all the same thing. Now let's get back to this and see what it says. By which, this is the means by which Christ preached to the spirits in prison. Now people will say, but preached is an aorist indicative verb, and it is. But preached unto the spirits in prison, preached, Preached is the word K-E-R-U-S-S-O. There was an opera singer named Caruso. I'm sure it comes from the same word. It means to herald. To herald Christ. When it's talking about preaching the gospel. To herald Christ, Caruso... And that's this is the means by which God preached to the spirits in prison, which are the all men, the all flesh, the Gentiles. Write this down, Mary. I'm, that's what I'm going to call this message. God has opened their eyes of the Gentiles and brought them to the light because Israel celebrated Christmas under another name 4,000 years ago, and the name they celebrated under was Baal and the Grove. Baal and Grove. And they got in trouble with God for 500 years under kings when they went after Baal, which was the sun god, was always represented by the fire upon the earth, and the grove was Asherah. And Asherah means the upright tree goddess upright and all the female deities were worshipped in the form of a tree and the moon represented the tree goddess the sun represented Baal and the fire represented Baal upon the earth this is what it is went after and it was the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and renamed Christ Mass It's the same thing. The reason we know it was the same thing is because the Bible says, I've said this a hundred times, the Bible says, Revelation 17 and 5, that Babylon was the mother of all harlots. Harlot is the word pornea, P-O-R-N-E, or porne, porne, we get the word porn or pornography from that. Pornography means porn writing. And and that's talking about, it's not talking about naked men and women, it's talking about idolatry. And of course, that would be idolatry to look at porn. And idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T, R-E-I-A. It comes from ido and latruo. Ido means to see. 
Latruo means to serve. It means to serve what you see or what you put into your eyes and your ears. You've got to be careful what you look at because you're just a weak human in the flesh and you'll begin to partake of that. The Bible says so in Ecclesiastes 1.8. Whatever you put in your eyes and ears, your body will labor to fulfill it. Now, now this, all of this goes together. Let me erase this here. All of it goes together. All these things are equal. Now, this is supposed to be the most difficult verse in the Bible to every scholar. There's not hardly anybody I've ever heard deal with it that knows what it means, and it's very easy. All you have to do is define the word prison. That's all. Prison is the Greek word phylarche. That's the word, phylarche. That's prison. Now, prison means the division. If preachers, they wouldn't have to wrestle with that if they just define this. The division of day and night and our light and darkness. And the Bible speaks of of the Bible speaks of the Gentiles being brought to the light. The Gentiles were in darkness. It's real simple. From Adam If you ask any preacher that you know of what the spirits in prison is, most are going to say something real dumb like Pat Robertson. I've given this illustration. I was watching 700 Club one day years ago, and some very dignified-looking man was giving Pat all this respect, and he said, Brother Pat, it was question and answer time. He said, did Jesus go down to hell to preach to the spirits in prison? I just dropped my head and thought, what a dumb question. What dumber than that was the answer that Pat gave him. Pat said, yes. Uh, He started sweating bullets because nobody likes to answer this question because they're really not sure of anything they're saying. And he's going, uh... Yes, Jesus went down to the gates of hell and he preached to the people in hell. Hell is not a prison. Hell is forever. Prison is temporary. And he said, Jesus went to the gates of hell and said, "Uh, everyone in the Old Testament went to hell. Uh, We're going to invite you out if you want to come out. Is that a stupid statement? And some of them said, we like it in South Hell here. We're getting, we're getting a tan. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Didn't define nothing. Just call prison hell. That's what Kenneth Copeland preaches. He says Jesus went down to hell to pay for our sins and spent three days in hell. And Jesus told the thief on the cross on his left hand or on his right hand today I'll be you'll be with me in paradise he didn't go to hell he went to paradise good night
I, I, mean, I can't believe those guys. So it's talking about the Gentiles coming to the light. That's what it's talking about. The spirits in prison is about everything. It's about tongues. It, it's connected to Christmas. Now, let's go back over here. So when he's talking about the spirits in prison, I was going to tell you, just because priest Caruso is arist indicative, They want to make that something that Jesus did when he was dead. Well, an Arist indicative is past tense. But there are three different kinds, particularly that would apply in this case. There is three kinds of Arist indicative, which means past tense. There is a consummative Arist indicative. That means when it happens one time, it is consumed. So it doesn't last except the one time. Jesus died on the cross. That would be one time. And then when we die daily, that would be either ingressive, and it's real hard to tell the difference between an ingressive an arist indicative and a constitutive. Constitutive. An ingressive means it moves into action. I've said this before. I was in real estate years ago and I had a, a lot listed one time up here the other side of Gallatin and it was landlocked and Tennessee law says, here's the road here. The Tennessee law says, if you have a landlocked piece of land, I'd have been smart to bought that. You could buy it for little or nothing back in 1881. And that the men in front of you have to give you an ingress into the land. That means the guy in front of you has got to give you a road up to that land. The law says so. And that would have been an ingress. Well, this means the movement starts, it began in the past, and it starts. And, and a constitutive means it's constant. And there's nothing but the text of Scripture will tell you when either one of these stops. And it's real difficult to tell the difference in them. So, this is either, this preach to the spirits in prison K-E-R-U-S-S-O. Jesus didn't merely preach to the spirits in prison with the gospel, which is the which is the blood baptism, which is death to self and self-denial, but he preached, and he is continuing to preach to the spirits in prison or to the Gentiles. Now, let's go back over to Let's go back over. Did you write this down, Mary? That title? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to erase that. Just remember, the eyes of the Gentiles were open because they were in darkness from Adam until Jesus. And that would, God would, 
exempt certain people. He did not preach to the Gentiles. They were in darkness. They were the all flesh or all men. When God says he would have all men be saved, all men will be saved. All men means men of every nation, tongue, and tribe. God's got a predestinated elect family. Predestinated elect. And it will be it will be black men, red men, white men, brown men, and yellow men. It will be men from every nation tongue and tribe as you see in Revelation the seventh chapter so that will be the all men there's a word that's used uh, in the scripture or it's used in Webster's dictionary and it's a concept that's used all through the Bible it's called synecdoche s-y-n-e-c-d-o-c-h-e this word synecdoche means a part of something is the whole. Is the whole. Now we use that in our day and time. If I made the statement, I've said this many times, if I said I spent the day with Chris wherever he disappeared. I guess he's back there running the camera. If I said I spent the day with Chris, it doesn't mean I spent 24 hours. I may have been with him six hours or eight hours, but that don't mean I spent 24 hours with him. Well, the Gentiles were in the dark. They were, uh, they were the all flesh or all men. The, the, there was only one family it was Adam down through Noah and Noah's son, Shem. We get the word Semitic, which means Jewish, from the word Shem or Sem. And that goes on down from Arphaxid all the way to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This was one family or one flesh. And because when they were a nation... Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He had 12 sons, starting with Reuben all the way down to Benjamin. And he had this nation, when they come into the land, they kept going after Baal and the grove and all of the gods of the ancient world. They kept going after sun and tree gods. And all of that started, the Bible says, Babylon mothered it all. Revelation 17 and 5. Babylon mothered everything in the world that comes out of idolatry. That's why I keep saying Israel, when it went after all this idol worship from actually from 1 Kings through Second Chronicles. Why did you leave out? Why did you leave out Samuel, first and second Samuel? First and second Samuel wasn't a problem with these sun gods. First and second Samuel was the big conflict that David and Saul had with each other. 
David was made king of Israel because Saul had not kept God's commandments, David and Saul. So I call that the book of David and Saul. But when you get into 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, that's where Solomon allows all of his pagan wives to keep their sun gods and their tree goddesses, their Ashtaroth. That's a generic name for the tree deities, Ashtaroth. And in Molech, that was a name for the sun gods of what we call northern Jordan or what was back then called the land of Ammon. And they went after Shemesh, which was what we call southern Jordan. And Shemosh comes from Shemesh, which is the word sun in the Hebrew. So they were worshiping the sun and all the gods all through the world, uh, sun and tree goddesses, and Solomon allowed his wives to come in. And God split the nation because of that and kept two tribes with southern Judah, which was southern Israel, and that was Judah and Benjamin. And the ten northern tribes were led by Joseph through his second-born son Ephraim. And you'll find that in First Kings, the end of the 11th chapter, going into the 12th chapter. 11th chapter, 12th chapter. You'll find God splitting the kingdom into two. And the, that's important because at the end of time, God's going to bring the two back together. And that will be, you'll find that in Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, the Valley of Dry Bones. You'll find it in Isaiah and other places, the 11th chapter. Now, because Ezra went after this, God says, if you go after any of these other gods, I'm going to send four judgments, the sword. You'll go against your enemy one way, and you'll flee seven ways. But if you keep my commandments, you'll go against your enemy one way, and they'll flee seven ways. Well, Israel was not keeping the commandments of God. When you get to the 16th chapter of 1 Kings, that's when Ahab marries Jezebel, and her father was Ethbaal, And Ethbaal was a priest of, the, of Baal and a priest of Ashtaroth. With an O, it's plural. With an E, it's singular. And he was a priest of Baal and Ashtaroth, and he was right above Israel. Where's my... He was... He was in the land of what we call Lebanon, or it was more properly called Tyre and Sidon, right above Israel. And Ahab marries Jezebel, the princess of Tyre and Sidon. And her father, Ethbel, was a priest of Baal from Babylon. And the two big systems in the ancient world that kept the fire and tree worship alive and well was Babylon and Tyre and Sidon. If you said Tyre and Sidon, it was basically saying the same thing that kept it all thriving in those two cities just above Israel on the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Now, 
All of this is the picture of what you really have to learn. And the Gentiles were in darkness while only one flesh, one flesh in the Old Testament, that was the flesh of Adam down through Noah, through Shem, and it was one seed, one bloodline, on to Arphaxen, all the way to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, which becomes Israel, and they go after Baal and the grove. That's pretty simple, isn't it? About as simple as you can get. It's a picture, and the reason people don't understand, why was the same thing Israel went after? I'm going to say it one more time. Why was the same thing that Israel went after the same thing that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. And he renamed he renamed the feast of Saturn Christmas. C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S or M-A-S-S. How did that get to be named Christmas? Well, God said, if you go after these other gods, I'll scatter you all over the earth. So that's what he did. Northern Israel, which was led by Ephraim, or Joseph's second-born son Ephraim, had the ownership of Israel. People say, wasn't Israel back in the first century? No, only southern Judah was back. Only southern Judah received the four decrees to come back and rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple by the Persian kings, was given to southern Judah to rebuild their temple, which was in Jerusalem, and rebuild the city, rebuild the city, which was Jerusalem, and that was the capital city. That was Persian kings. And during the days of Jesus, the Jews said if the honor wasn't there, and the owner was not there because the owner, whenever they had a, this goes back to predestination. Bible says that whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he be the firstborn. The firstborn, the, the whom's were the firstborn. Whom he did foreknow, Hus, masculine and gender, singular. Well, the firstborn we said, the firstborn received the inheritance. This is going to equate with with uh, where is it? This is going to equate with Joseph. Joseph was the eleventh born of God, 11th born. And the firstborn was Reuben, but Reuben was passed over, was passed over because he was unstable as water. He had an affair with Bilhah, the handmaiden of his mother, Rachel. So he was passed over. And, they, and the Jews said, when the one who had the the double portion, which was Ephraim, 
the second-born son of Joseph, like all these other second-borns that received the promise, when they wouldn't home, the, the, home, the nation wasn't there. So only southern Judah was back from the captivity due to these Persian decrees for them to rebuild the temple and the city. Not going to go into them. Now, so you've got Israel being scattered all over the world. And they're going to, and they have, here's the thing. They're scattered, but they're still under the law of God. Law of God. And I said, Babylon mothered all idolatry. What makes Israel going after Bell in the Grove equivalent to Constantine bringing What makes it equivalent to Constantine bringing the festival of Saturn into the church and calling it Christ Mass? It was this festival of Saturn was called the Saturnalia. Why Saturnalia? Saturn was the father of the gods, and his son was the sun god. In every city state, they had a different form of the sun god. In Rome, it was Mithra. So when the winter solstice came, the winter solstice was December the 21st. That was the longest night of the year. So the people thought, well, the sun is burning out and the sun is moving away. So they wanted to appease the sun god. So they had a festival that started on December the 17th. And it ended on December the 24th. And that was called the Feast of Saturn. It was an orgy. That's what Constantine brought on the church and renamed the Christ Mass. Now, why does Jesus want us to celebrate an orgy? That was all about Israel forsaking God, going after all of these sun gods over here. You can look at Ezra... The ninth chapter, the first few verses, and the Bible says Israel is going after everybody's gods. What makes that the, what makes this with Israel equal to this thing called Christmas? Let me give it to you one more time. All right, where's my here it is. Let's go over here to over here. In in the second and third centuries, the Roman Empire was ruling. There's Rome. Here's the boot of Italy. Here's Sicily down here. Here's Greece right here. This is the Adriatic Sea. This is the Aegean Sea right here. Right up here. At the top of the Aegean Sea is Philippi and Thessalonica. That's where Paul heard the the Macedonian call when we sing the song. We have heard the Macedonian call to lay in the light. It's talking about Paul being over here in what we call Turkey. That was Asia Minor. And he's up here at Troas and he has a dream or he has a vision 
where it says, come over and help us. So he goes over there to Philippi and Thessalonica to help them and continues on his journey. Here's the whole thing. The Roman Empire was ruling. The place that Roman Empire was ruling was all this land on the Mediterranean Sea. Nobody knew anything about the Atlantic Ocean. They hadn't come to discover America. This was the most busy place in the world. When the, to begin with, they had the Assyrian Empire carrying northerners off into captivity up here into the Caucasus Mountains. And then Assyria was overthrown. Assyria was northern Babylon. Then Babylon on the Euphrates River attacked the Assyrians and overthrew them and carried southern Israel into into captivity, 650 miles to Babylon on the Euphrates River. That's just about 100 miles above the Persian Gulf where we had that war back in 1991-92. Now, I'm explaining why what Constantine brought in the church was equivalent what Israel did back here in the Old Testament from 1 Kings to 2 Chronicles. The Bible says Babylon mothered everything that's not of God. That's all idolatry. Well, the emperors had been worrying and being concerned for the previous 200 years before Constantine They kept thinking the only people that were really living under the Roman rule, which had been when Assyria was overthrown by Babylon, Babylon was overthrown by Persia, which was Iran, and and Babylon was on the Euphrates River. You got the Tigris River. You got the Euphrates. On the Tigris River was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and that was called Nineveh. That's why Joshua, I'll get it in a minute, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, was to preach against these heathens. And then on the Euphrates River, just a hundred miles or so above this gulf, was the capital city of Babylon. Babylonia was what all the Babylonian Empire was called. Let's get back to Rome. Then then Babylon was overthrown, excuse me, Persia was overthrown by the Grecians, and right in northern Greece, that was where Alexander was from, and he was a Grecian general, and he overthrew he overthrew Persia, and he became the ruler. And then his four generals were subjugated by these Roman emperors. When I say subjugated, they didn't fight them. They simply put them under their rule. So they were, Alexander the Great was a great ruler, but his generals did not, wasn't able to rule over Rome. So when Rome was taken over, this is the, Mediterranean Sea, it was called the Great Sea. When the Bible says that the beast rose out of the sea, there in Revelation 13 and Daniel 7, the beast was Babylon and Persia, Greece and Rome, and it rose up out of this sea right here. It's really not even hard. 
So, Mr. Constantine and all the emperors before him, back six or eight emperors, were afraid they were going to lose the empire. They were ruling on the Mediterranean. This was the only, what they would call civilized, but I wouldn't consider the beast world system civilized. The only people that were subject to the Roman Empire was the people on the sea. The people that were not subject to the Romans were these Huns coming from the Far East. They were Huns. They came from Mongolia. They came from over in China. That's why they were called Huns. During World War I, uh, when they would have these fights, when the Red Baron would go up and have these fights, they would say the Red Baron and all of his planes, those were the Huns. They were people that had come over to Germany, and those were Huns. And you had Huns, you had Goths, you had Ostrogoths, you had Burgundians, you had you had uh, all of these, the Visigoths. And the Visigoths, Mr. Constantine was afraid they were going to overthrow Rome and the Caesars before him. So he said, what we will do, I'm telling you why, the same thing Israel went after was the same thing that he brought in the church and renamed the Christ Mass because Babylon was the mother, gave birth to everything that's not, that is idol worship. Well, if you can show that these were the same thing as these Huns and these Vandals, that's what brought Christmas into the church. So Constantine said, I will amalgamate this pagan church here in Rome. It had gone so apostate. I'll bring these, the gods of all of these Huns, Vandals, Goths, Visigoths, Celts, Gauls. I'll bring them into the church and everybody and we'll have, we'll bring their tree gods and their sun gods. And that's why you have all of this lights at Christmas. It's supposed to be a picture of the flames of the sun. So he brought them into the church and renamed the whole system the Christ Mass. Whether anybody likes it or not, Christmas is the same thing that incurred the wrath of God while they were a nation and God scattered them and that brought about the tongues. That's what I said up here. 4,000 years from Adam until Jesus, only this one bloodline, one blood, one flesh had the truth. From Adam until Jesus, the Gentiles were in the dark. They were in darkness. And they could not see the light. They could not see the truth. The only people that had the truth in the Mediterranean area was on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. The only people that God had come to was Israel and its kings and its prophets. Israel is smaller than New Jersey. So when you got Israel, they're the only people who had the truth, so nobody else had the truth. God, when he got tired of Israel going after all of the gods of these people, he said, I'll blind your eyes, and I'll cause the Gentiles, I'll have an elect 
predestinated family among the Gentiles, and I'll send my message to them. That's what the Old Testament's about. Now, let's go back. Let's read some of these verses, and maybe this is the most time I've ever spent on this. Uh, let's go back over here to look at some of the verses about all men or all flesh. Look over here in 1 Timothy 2 and 4. 1 Timothy. Now, why would God say this to Timothy? 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Timothy was pastoring the church. He was pastoring the church at Ephesus. That's a Gentile church. God had not extended this until he blinded the Jews' eyes. Did that when Jesus came into Jerusalem there in Luke, the 19th chapter, and looked out over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if thou hadst known even thou in this thy day the things that belong to your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. So he blinded them there, and he said he's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh or all men, and that would be the Gentiles. Synecdoche, a part of something is the whole. If he, if he calls one black man, one red man, one white man, one brown man, one yellow man, that would be considered all flesh or synecdoche. I've got a book here. I'm not going to read to you out of it, but it's written by E.W. Bullinger. And it has a section in this on synecdoche. It's called Figures of Speech Used in the Bible. And it starts here, synecdoche or transfer. And it will, and it will go into this. And it starts here on page 613. And it goes quite a ways just on synecdoche. And it goes to 656. It, there's nearly 50 pages just on synecdoche in this throughout the Bible that a part of something is the whole. I can give you a lot of illustrations, but I'm just going to leave it at that. May read some to you as we go through this. Now, let's look here at some of these verses. Look here in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. The scripture says in verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who would have all men to be saved. What does that mean? Timothy was pastor in the church at Ephesus, which was a Gentile church, and what he's doing is emphasizing these Gentiles here at Ephesus, the ones that are elect that believed, that's the all men. He's talking about Gentiles. God has a, a certain number of Gentiles out of the white men, a certain number out of the black men, the red men, the yellow men, the brown men, and that would be all flesh. Synecdoche. Now, 
he would have all men be saved. He's pastoring a Gentile church. That would be the all men. It does not mean God would have every individual saved. When you have one person out of each tribe, you have the all men or the all flesh. And when Peter said, this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel, Joel, that in the last days God would pour out of his spirit on all flesh, the all flesh, how was that going to happen with Acts 2? In Acts 2, these were devout men from every nation under heaven. In Acts 2, what were they doing from every nation under heaven? Look back at that, and then I'll come back to this. Look back at Acts 2. You can't, I really want to be thorough with this. It may take me several weeks to be more thorough than I've ever been in the past. I want to kind of just emphasize this tremendously so you'll see what Acts 2 is about. In Acts 2, the reason you've got all men here is God scattered Israel all over the world and he gave them three festivals that all the males had to come back to. When you look at this map that I took out of the compendia, these are Jews coming from all over the world. As Exodus, the 23rd chapter says, God says, I want, I want all the males from Jerusalem that believe in me. I want you to come back to these three festivals. This is a map out of the compendia. And it's about the Jews all coming back after they've been scattered in 586 B.C. Southern Judah was scattered. 722 B.C. Northern Israel was scattered by the Assyrians. The Southern Judah was scattered by the Babylonians. And they, they were given these feasts, Passover, Pentecost and the feast of ingathering which was coupled with the day of atonement and the feast of ingathering was also called the feast of huts that was to commemorate their time in the wilderness where they lived in tents and it was called the feast of tabernacles and the reason they called it the Feast of Ingathering, it was the end of the end of the festival year. It was the end of the harvest, end of harvest. And that's they were gathering in all the crops. It was the end of the harvest, and that was in the month Tishri, and that was September, October. So September, October is the end of the harvest. And the beginning of the harvest was Passover. That's Nisan. Nisan was March, April. 
So this is the beginning of the harvest. This has to do with the promise of God and Deuteronomy 28. If you're obedient to me, I will fill up your basket and your store and I'll fill up your storehouses and you'll have everything you can eat. But they said, we don't want to do that. The main reason they didn't want to do that was because of one of God's requirements. In in Leviticus, the 25th chapter, God says, I want you, I want you to leave every seventh year alone so the land could restore its nutrients. He didn't tell them why. He just said, let the land lie fallow. You don't plow, you don't reap, you don't plant anything, you don't reap anything, and whatever grows there that you planted on the sixth year, that's for the poor and the needy and the animals. And if you need something out there, you can go out there and pick that too. But you cannot harvest it. And you got to got that every seven years. So this thing that we're talking about with the tongues and with Israel going after all these gods, one of the main reasons they did not want to leave the land alone every seven years, so they went after other gods that didn't require that. They said, we're not going to go a seventh year without harvesting. Are you crazy, Moses? Sounds like that commercial on TV. For the where the kids are trying to hide from that guy that's the killer with the mask on and they say and some girl says, There's a car running, let's escape in that and the guy turns and looks at her and says, Are you crazy? Let's go hide behind those chainsaws. That is hilarious. <laughs> Y'all seen that, hadn't you? <laughs> that's funny. Are you crazy? And they're telling Moses, Are you crazy? We're not gonna leave the seventh year alone. So they go after these other gods and they give these other gods credit. You can read that second chapter of Hosea. And then God calls these gods their lovers. And he said, you give them credit for your wheat and your oil and your grain. And I did that, God said. I'm going to take it all away from you. Can you imagine going for 490 years without rotating the crops? If you don't rotate crops... You're crazy if you live out there in the Midwest and you can't plant the same ground every year. You do that, it'll destroy the nutrients in the ground and it won't grow anything. They went 490 years without that. So this brings in the 70 weeks of Daniel in this same picture. God says, I'm going to give you 70 weeks and I don't even have the time to go into that, but you can add that into this title up here, 70 weeks. So the 70 weeks of Daniel, tongues, and all the things that we put up here, Christmas, they're all a part of the same picture. You get that? It's not even hard to see. But the reason men don't know, they don't know that the same thing Israel went after is the same thing Constantine brought in the church and renamed the Christ Mass. Do I want to do that if God killed millions of Jews for doing it? There were six million Jews killed in World War II, and the last Assyrian to slaughter the Jews was Adolf Hitler. He was an Assyrian. He was a Caucasian, just like me. 
It's, and he's trying to find a superior race. He was nuts. Very smart, but he was crazy. And, and, it, and the swastika wasn't something that he invented. It had to do with this back here, with the Jews. Let me erase this and put that on the board. I don't know if I can... I'm trying to put all this into one message. And it's... Keep all this in mind. Let me erase it. All right. I've tried to put this all in one message before. But you can add the 70 weeks of Daniel in there. And God scatters them all over the earth. And they all have to come back to Jerusalem. I get something on my mind. I want to go into it. And I forget where I'm going. And I do something else. And I'm just pitching everything at you I can. So all of this... They all have to come back to these three feasts. Let me go ahead and read that to you over there in Exodus, the 23rd chapter. While they are scattered, they all have to, if they're devout, while they're scattered, here they are, a nation under kings, and they're scattered. And all the time they're scattered, they have to come back every year Wherever they're living, they have to come back from all over the world. Notice all these arrows are pointing towards Jerusalem. All these, the arrow is pointing towards Jerusalem. And they're coming back from all over the world because they're required to. But while they're scattered, they're living in other lands. And they're adapting to other cultures. And other languages. And they and they're gonna they keep coming back every year. And since they're all speaking other languages, the guy over here in Spain, they've got a different dialect. The guy that gives them the guy that gives them all these languages was Alexander the Great of Greece. Alex the Great of Greece. Now, the Romans were not high on education. They were high on killing and slaughtering. But the Greeks were the ones that we give tribute to for all of our education, all of our philosophies. So they kept the Greek languages alive and well during Jesus' time. And everyone was either speaking a glossa due to the fact that they were scattered because they kept going after Christmas under, it was another name, Bell in the Grove in the ancient world, because they kept going after that, they were scattered. But while they were scattered, they took on the languages of the world and the culture of the world. Southern Judah, the same way, languages and culture. So they're all living all over the world, and they more or less, the Hebrew language goes into, it doesn't become dormant, but the Pharisees, and that's another story, they make the Greek, the Hebrew language, more or less a holy language, and they say the only people that can speak the Hebrew 
was Pharisees and Sadducees. And you had to speak the Hebrew in the temple. But all the rest of the world was speaking a dialect of the Greek. And Mr. Angus tells us it was a different dialect in every city-state of the Greek language. It had become an international language. And all these people that are scattered, they're all speaking their own language. And here's how all flesh is going to get the truth. All these Jews from all over the world are coming back. Now, Passover and Pentecost were so close together. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. Now, the reason a lot of the Jews, they would stay over from Passover to Pentecost because it was too much for some of these guys to go back over here to Rome or to Carthage or to Spain. It was too much for them, so they would stay over here. And they would study the Torah. This is probably why a lot of them had their own jobs or their own little shops and wherever. This is why they get the they get this bad rap that they were cheating everybody. Some of them were, but this is why they get the rap because in order to come to these festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Day of Atonement which was in that month Tishri, Day of Atonement, or in gathering in the month September, October, was because they were coming back from all over the world. So between Pentecost and in gathering in Tishri, there were several months. So they would go back home here and come back for that Day of Atonement but it was making it difficult for some guy over here in Carthage, up here in Rome, especially over here in Spain. So they'd stick around from Pentecost, Passover to Pentecost. They'd go home here and then make a long trip coming back. When they came in, they had a hard time. These were all Jews, and the Bible says that. In Acts 2, it says in verse I'm really trying to take time with this. In verse 5 of chapter 2, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men. The word devout is eulabes, E-U-L-A-B-E-S. E-U-L-A-B-E-S is the word devout. Devout, if someone is devout, they're completely committed to the laws of God. Devout men out of every nation under heaven. Eulabes means religiously circumcised. They were really believers in what God said. So they come from every nation because when you go back to Exodus, the 23rd chapter, Exodus 23, you've got to keep all this in mind. They're scattered. They're speaking all these different languages. And in Exodus, the 23rd chapter, the Bible says all the males have to come back to Jerusalem for every one of these festivals. So if they're devout, complete religious believers in what God said, they'll be there. But they had to come back. But if they're coming from 
You get a lot of this information out of the Cabinda. If they're coming from Spain over here, they can't drive sheep all the way there. And the scripture says they have to bring a half shekel with them to buy a sheep at the temple. Nothing wrong with selling sheep at the temple. They had to have it. The fisherman couldn't bring a sheep unless he bought one. And they, at 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 Pentecost or Passover, Picompendius says they may have been offering as many as 350,000 sheep or goats at those festivals, maybe up to half a million. Well, they're going to have to buy a sheep. When Jesus overthrew the money changers in the temple, he wasn't mad at them for buying and selling sheep. They had to have somebody selling sheep. He was angry at the money changers. Money changers. The Pharisees who ran the temple said, you had to buy a sheep with Hebrew money. And the world's standard of money was Greek. And in the marketplaces, you had to use Greek money. Because the whole world was practicing Greek culture, Greek language, and so forth. So, when he comes into the temple there in the second chapter of John and turns all the tables upside down, he said, my father's house is a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. You're stealing. They were charging, let's say, an exchange of a when somebody gave him a dollar, they might give him 60 cents back or maybe 50 cents. Maybe they were getting 50 cents on the dollar from those money changers to buy sheep. Nothing wrong with buying the sheep. People say, you're not supposed to buy and sell in the house of God. Well, you had to buy sheep or whatever sacrifice they were offering. So when these men were coming, they couldn't bring a sheep with them, not unless they were somewhere close by. They had to bring a half shekel to buy one. Now, let's look at this over here in Exodus, the 23rd chapter. Exodus 23 and, oops, that's chapter 30. 23, this has to do with Jews, divide Jews from every nation under heaven. It has to do with that. And here in the 23rd chapter, in verse 14, three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread, which is also called the Passover. You can look at Luke 22 and 1, and the feast of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was here. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days. That started the Passover, started the feast of unleavened bread, went for seven days. And I commanded thee in the time appointed in the month Abib. Now, it was called Abib in Israel. It was called Nisan in Egypt. Uh, in uh, Egypt, For in it thou camest out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. You had to bring a half shekel. So these men are going to have to come and either be a sheep or a half shekel. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits. The feast of harvest was the feast of weeks, 
seven sets of seven days, which was 49 days. So 50 days after the Passover was Pentecost. So you had to keep that. They all had to come from all over the world. And thy labors which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times. So that's the feast of ingathering, the end of the harvest. That's Pentecost. And they used this. God used this to cause them to come together. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. But you can't come empty-handed. You either had to have a sheep or a half shekel to buy one with. Now, look over here in Exodus 23. Oh, excuse me. Exodus 34. There's more than one time this is spoken. Exodus 34. And verse 23. Thrice in the year shall all your men children appear before the Lord your God of Israel. And he goes through these three festivals there. Then he says the same thing in Leviticus 23 and 4. So he gives us three witnesses to this right here. Leviticus 23 and verse 4. These are the feast of the Lord and holy convocation which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. The 14th day of the first month, you've heard me say that a hundred times, that was Passover. At even of the Lord's Passover, and on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread. The next day they start having a seven-day festival. Unto the Lord, seven days you must eat unleavened bread. The first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall no servile work. And it goes through all of these three festivals. I'm not going to read them all. You have to appear. So, And then he says the same thing in Deuteronomy 16, 16. So, and, but you can look at that Deuteronomy 23rd chapter. It describes all the feasts. Look at Deuteronomy 16, 16. He makes sure that they know they have to come back. Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16. 16, 16. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in a place which he shall choose, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Ingathering, which is coupled with the Day of Atonement. They, all the males had to come back. So that's why you got the tongues over there, and all these Jews are speaking a different glossa, which means foreign language, a different glossa, or different dialect. Alexander the Great gave all the world its koine. That word means common. They had a common street language, dialect of the Greek, and they had a different dialect in every city-state, and they differed as much as Spanish and Italian in our day and time. And Mr. Angus, Samuel Angus, in his Mystery Religions, tells us they differed as much as two foreign languages. That's why they couldn't understand each other. And for Hundreds of years they were showing up in Jerusalem. 
They didn't even know how to communicate with each other. They would run into each other. All of them were Jews. And they'd say, I can't understand you. And the guy would be speaking in some Spanish language or some dialect, and they didn't understand. What did they do during that hundreds of years that they were in captivity? About 200 B.C., they came up according to the compendia. And they tried to resolve this. They tried to resolve this problem. They started building synagogues in in Jerusalem. They built, I don't know how many, but the Compendia said they would build a Greek synagogue, maybe one for, for Corinth, build one for uh, up here in Upper Macedonia, build a synagogue for Ephesus, so the people from that area that spoke that dialect of the Greek could come over and they could go to their respective synagogues and in their synagogues they could meet people that spoke their dialect and they could communicate with them while they were at these at these festivals. Well, they, they, there's no way they could connect. This has nothing to do with Pentecostal tongues. And you can see that. Let's go back over there to Acts 2. Acts 2. And these were, this. how was this message going to be God pouring out of His Spirit on all flesh? When you see that in Acts 2, are y'all understanding this? It's really a real, intricate, designed picture. It's got to do with the tongues, with the spirits in prison. Because the Gentiles were in darkness. And you're going to find every time Paul would say to one of these Gentiles churches, he says to the Ephesians, you were darkness, but now you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And he kept saying through Isaiah, the Gentiles are going to come to the light. It's all about the gent- God. It's about God saying, I'm rejecting the Jews because all the time they were a nation, they were supposed to be a, worshiping me, and they were going after all these sun and tree gods, which is Christmas. Don't matter whether anybody believes that or not. It's insane, the preachers that won't deal with it. They're crazy. I keep saying the preachers are crazy. You can tell them all of this. Does anybody else know this? I, don't, I have never heard anyone tell this story. No one. How did you know it, Jim? I started studying when I was 17 back in 1956. And I've read Old Testament and studied it backwards and forwards. And I could see the Gentiles were in the darkness. And when I defined prison years ago, the difference between day and night or light and darkness, he's always talking about Israel coming to the light. He's always talking about them coming out of prison. But look back here in Acts 2. Acts 2. I've never been thorough on this. You know how much it takes to be thorough on it. You've got to preach all these verses and all this history to actually see it. Acts 2. And if this doesn't give you conviction, then you're dead. I don't know why John MacArthur knows that Christmas was pagan and says, we're going to use this 
season to glorify God. God says, I don't want you to use this season for anything. You can't glorify God with it. How can you glorify God with an orgy, an ancient orgy, where they had sex in the streets and did all kinds of evil wickedness? It's it's insane. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. It's Christ Mass. It's Roman Catholic. Good grief, you guys. I was told this past week, a lady talked to a businessman here in town. He said, well, Jim Brown is scaring a lot of people in town. That's why they stay away from him. Well, I hope so. I hope you're afraid that he's too controversial. I'm going against Christmas and against the preachers and against invitation hymns and against accept Christ and sinners prayer. The Bible don't teach that. It doesn't teach Christmas. It don't teach keeping the birthday of Jesus. And everybody, somebody will say, well, it don't matter if December the 25th is his birthday or not. It don't matter if he's in the spring. You need to celebrate his birthday someday. No, you don't. The Bible says birth of a man is not to be celebrated over there. Over there in Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite verses on this very thing, Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter, the first verse says, first verse, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. If you celebrate anything, celebrate the day of a believer's death where he went to be with the Lord. Not a birthday. The early Christians did not celebrate birthdays. Now look back here in Acts 2. So these were Jews from every nation under heaven speaking all these languages. I've got to read some verses here. And they were devout men from every nation. And they, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It doesn't mean split tongues. It don't mean that picture that somebody's always drawing a, a Pentecostal picture and they'll draw this red tongue of fire. That's not the word. The word is diamorizo. This is the word cloven. Diamorizo. It means to apportion or to delegate. D-I-A-M-E-R-I-Z-O. It means to petition off tongues. It means there's going to be an apostle here, one here, one here, one here. And this guy is going to be speaking in some dialect or some glossa. But it's actually more of a, it's actually more a miracle of the ear because when you go on down here and you look the 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 Pentecostals they take these words cloven tongues like as of fire. What is a tongue of fire? God said it's truth. God told Jeremiah Jeremiah four uh, five fourteen is not my word of fire and Israel's wood and it'll devour them he called his words a tongue of fire when those two witnesses in Revelation 11 
when fire comes out of their mouth, it doesn't mean they're flamethrowers. It means the word of God will destroy people at that time by these two witnesses, which is the priest and king, which is the church. Don't have time to even go to that. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hagias Numa is the word. Same thing as Holy Spirit. And what's that? The truth. Holy Spirit is the truth. John 14, 15, 16. John 15, 26. John 16, 13. 1 John 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth. And began, began to speak with other tongues. Other tongues. Not Shandalamanda Kandai Shandai. Other tongues. Heteroglossa. And how other tongues, hetero means other, a heterosexual is other sex. Heteroglossa means other foreign languages. Glossa is foreign language. Foreign language. And we get our word glossary from that, which is a section of a book with words that are foreign to the average reader. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Utterance doesn't mean to make guttural sounds. It's not what it means. The word utterance is apophathangomai. Apophathangomai. It comes from phathangomai, meaning to speak. And set off a speaking so clear that it can be easily understood. The thing about utterance is really amazing. The word utterance is the same word in verse 14 where Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said. Said is the same word as utterance. Apophathangomai. There's one other time this word is used in the Bible. It's over in Acts, the 26th chapter. Look at that. And this will tell you exactly what utterance means. 26th chapter, Paul is standing before Festus. Festus was a governor. He wasn't that guy on gun smoke. In verse 24, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul Thou art beside thyself, you're crazy. Much learning doth make thee mad. And Paul said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth. Speak forth is the word apophathangomai. Same word as utterance in Acts 2. Same word as said in Acts 2.14. I speak forth, and he'll tell you what speaking forth is. The word of truth and soberness, sophronay, soundness of mind. I've got a sound mind when I talk. So utterance means to speak with a sound mind. Now, get. you know why I studied this so hard? I traveled as a gospel singer in Pentecostal churches all over America. I saw the biggest bunch of hogwash and hooey going on in them things. People jumping up and falling, falling on the floor and saying, I got the Holy Ghost. They didn't have nothing. And then he says up here, 
Let me just go ahead and read verse 7. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Well, i got to read verse 6. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and con- were confounded because that every man heard them speak in their own dialectos, dialect. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these that speak Galileans? Galilee was northern Israel. It was supposed to be a place of rednecks and fishermen and shepherds, and they didn't have good sense because they wasn't down there with the Pharisees and educated like the Pharisees were. They said, aren't these a bunch of people from southern Mississippi? Might as well have said that. And then he said, how hear we ever man in our own tongue, our own dialect, wherein we were born? The man from Carthage was hearing in the Carthage dialect of the Corne. The man from Cyrene, there was a man from Cyrene there. He was the man that when Jesus fell, they said they compelled him to help him bear his cross. And he spoke a different dialect. All because Israel went after all those gods in the Old Testament, which was called Christmas when Constantine brought it into the church. It don't matter whether people like this or not. And then it goes on through there. So these were Jews from every nation. I want to spend time on this. Let me just go ahead and say this. How have we ever man in our own dialect wherein we were born? And then it says Parthian Jews, Medes Jews, Elamite Jews, dwellers in Mesopotamian Jews, that was southern Iraq, what we call Iraq, and in Judea Jews, Cappadocian Jews, Pontus Jews, Asian Jews, Phrygian Jews, Pamphylian Jews, and in Egypt Jews, and in parts of Libya Jews, that was Cyrene, and about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome and Jews, strangers were Gentiles converted to Judaism, or Gentiles converted to Christianity, Arabians, and we do hear them speak, and our glossa, the wonderful works of God. And how is this going to be pouring out of his spirit on all flesh? All these were Jews. They heard Peter preach in their dialect where they were born. So the guy from Rome is going to go back home after these festivals and preach to the Gentiles in Rome. The guy from Carthage is going to go back home after these festivals and preach what he heard Peter preach in their dialect of Carthage. And the same goes for for over here in Babylon. The same goes for Ephesus and Pergamos. The same goes, they're going over to everybody and they're going to speak in their dialect where they were born, so the people can understand the message of Peter. What was it Peter preached there in Acts 2? He said he preached the resurrection of Christ, which is what we said earlier, what was going to preach to the 
It's the same thing he says over there in First Peter when he says, being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. That's the resurrection because it's the gospel, right? So that's what Peter is preaching to these men so they'll go back home and preach to these Gentiles. You understand that? That's real simple. It's one big, huge story. And the reason they're over there speaking in their dialects and their glosses is because Israel went after Christmas over here and they were scattered all over the earth and they had to come back to these festivals. And that's why the 70 weeks was issued to them to repent. And that's the truth. Now, let's look at a couple more of these verses on the all men and the all flesh. How much time do I have? Ten? What? Five. I can't get to all of them. Let me just do this. Let me go to First Timothy at Ephesus, a Gentile church. First Timothy four nine. I'm going to have to come back and finish this up. This deserves more time than I've given to it in the past. It's the story of the whole Bible. That's what it's about. 1 Timothy 4 and 9. This is more than just the all flesh is the Gentiles. The Gentiles will be being brought to the light. Paul said so in Acts the 26th chapter. And uh, he says here in 1 Timothy 4 and 9, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust the living God who is the Savior of of all men are the Gentiles. Now, there'll be men of every nation, tongue, and tribe. Not every individual. Synecdoche, okay, remember that? And this is Ephesus, a Gentile church. That's why he's emphasizing that to Timothy, the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. And he says the same thing in Acts 17. Acts 17. i got to put one verse in before I get off of this but in Acts 17 he says the same basic thing and Paul is at he's at Corinth I'm not Corinth Athens over there in Greece a Gentile church or Gentile people Acts 17 so you got to understand where Paul is when he's saying these things Acts 17 verse 30 in the times of his ignorance, God winked at or closed his eyes at, eyes at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. He's not talking about every man. He's talking about men of every nation, tongue and tribe, black men, red men, white men, yellow men, and so forth. And because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men not all people in the world not every individual but to all men in that there's going to be a predestinated elect out of the gentile world and he says the same thing when he says 
gosh, I can't get to all this. Let me give you one other verse in the 26th chapter of Acts. I'll come back and hit some more of these. 26th chapter of Acts. He's relaying his words when Jesus strikes him down. He's repeating these to King Agrippa. And Jesus says, verse 15, And Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? Talking to Jesus that struck him down on the Damascus road. You can look at the original in Acts 9. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of, of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. I'm delivering you out of their hands when they took you in Acts 9, and I'm going to send you back to them to preach to them. Paul was a minister to the Gentiles to bring them to the light out of darkness. That's what he says in this next verse. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness because they were in prison in darkness for 4,000 years. To bring them from darkness to light, that means they were in prison. And from the power of Satan unto God, that they may have, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is the word aphesis. It means to pardon and release it from prison. So forgiveness of sins, to pardon and release from prison, but that comes by rebuke. God has to rebuke the Gentiles for their sin and put it in their hearts to believe him the ones that are elect. And he says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. What went to the firstborn was inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Am I out of time now? I run out. I'm gonna, if y'all will forgive me for repeating myself, I'm going to come back next week and go through Get. I want to really get this thing down to you so you can see. It's one picture. The Gentiles coming to the light was the spirits in prison or the all-man because Israel went after Christmas in the ancient world and God scattered them and that has to do with the tongues. It's really just a picture. It's just a picture from beginning to end. Can you see that? It's just easy to understand if you can see it. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for revealing this to us that we may see it and, and give it to other people. God, we pray that you'll Open up doors for this ministry. Lord, it is a frightening thing and it goes against the preachers in America because they're not preaching the truth. Somehow cause us to get this message to the world elect. 
We'll praise you for all things. Fight our battles for us. Give us strength to continue in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope y'all kind of getting a hold of this. It's a lot to the story. Y'all beginning to see it all? It's not something that you question, is it? Want me to bring that over there tomorrow? What? That way you don't have to go over there. God has opened the eyes and brought them to the light because Israel celebrated Christmas under another name. Not 500, 4,000. I can bring it over to Tom if you want. What did you have 500 for, Mary? No. Yeah, you can take it. With five fishes? Huh? Five hundred with five, four fishes. Christmas, Christmas, celebrated Christmas under another name 4,000 years ago, resulting. Resulting in tongues to the Gentiles. That's about as good a title as you can get. Dialectos. Yeah, well, I won't put that in I'll just let them watch that. Right, I'll bring that over then. Thank you. I appreciate it. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. I love you, man. How's Judy doing? She's doing good. Is she well? Yeah. Is she? How's her mom? How's her mom? Old and um. Old. Forgetting everything. Is she? Yeah. I can I walk in the kitchen. I go. What did I walk in here for? Well, I'm I'm gonna finish this up. So we can all see it. Joy to the world. Is that what you're singing? The Lord is coming. Is that what the three dog night sang? Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth. <laughs> I was watching some they had a they had a they had a Christmas commercial on one year and it and it was joy to the world the Lord has come and it showed these people dancing on this dance floor <laughs> insane Can you imagine singing a Bush? Huh? Bush owns some of the astronauts. To a what? I could throw out books and slide them in there. Well, no. No, no, you can't take my stuff. Just get something else. I like this one. Well, you can't, Mary. We'll get you something else. Where'd you get that one? I don't know, but I need it. Send that. Send this message to your family and say, if you don't believe this, you're going to hell. 
thought about sending some stuff to my oldest boy. And huh? I thought about sending a few Greek words to my oldest boy that you were covering. Remind him how uneducated he is. That's crazy, isn't it? Yep, like I signed my papers. They're on the way back to Missouri to be filed well, for the divorce. Good for you. I know you're anxious so you can get on with your life. Yep. Right? Yep, I mean, I've been getting on with it, but there's some things I haven't been able to do that are possible now, yes. Well, I'm sorry you've had such a hard time, but a lot of people have gone through that.